As Christians, we have a goal set for us. We have a bar set for us. Uh, and it's, it's really the goal of perfection, right? That's the, that's the bar that the scriptures seem to have set up for Christians is for us to be like who? To be like Jesus, to be like Christ, to follow his example, to be who he was in all things. And, and that's what we're supposed to always be striving for. And, and that's what I'm going to talk about this morning is that goal uh, and understanding, uh, and the scriptures tell us this, you know, that all have sinned and fall short of that glory, uh, of the glory of God. And so we understand uh, that, that this is really, this idea or this goal of perfection is, is really something that we have to devote our lives to striving for and towards and, and really work hard at. And that's what uh, we're going to look at a little bit this morning. But what are we talking about if we say, uh, you know, we have this lofty goal of perfection set for us. What are we really talking about? Well, if you look up a definition of perfection or look in, in vines, you, you get this idea of completeness, right? You are complete in all things. Uh, it, it's, you, it, the, some of the definitions there talk about signifying something that has reached its end. It has achieved what it was supposed to achieve. Uh, it is finished. It's complete. Uh, again, it is perfect. Uh, it also signifies this idea of goodness. Uh, when in some of the places where uh, we see this idea of perfection or striving for perfection or that Jesus obtained perfection, uh, it, it, part of what's being talked about there uh, is also goodness on top of achieving and finishing the things that were supposed to be finished. Um, Hebrews chapter 5, I am going to try to be electronic today. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9, this is talking about Jesus. It says, And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so here Jesus is being referred to as someone who was made perfect. Uh, and, and so as we look through this, we'll see other passages that talk about that, and we can kind of see uh, how that was, and we want to also see uh, how that's our goal and how we can be uh, made perfect through the 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 things God has set in place for us. You know, we're, we're really talking about achieving the purposes that God has laid out for us. Again, in, in imitating His Son and being like His Son and following the commandments that He's given us, uh, in being a Christian, accomplishing the things that God wants Christians to accomplish. And, and we study those things. We see those things throughout the Bible. We get a picture of that. Uh, in God's Word, and that's really what he's talking about when he wants us to be complete, is that idea of achieving those things. Um, again, we understand this is a tall order. This is a, a lofty goal for us. Uh, it's portrayed as that. It's not portrayed as anything but that. It's portrayed as something difficult to achieve, as something uh, that the few achieve. Uh, but it's also portrayed as having what? great blessings, right? Uh, eternal salvation. Even great blessings on this earth. It's promised that it comes uh, with hardships, but also that it, that it comes with great benefits uh, and that we have uh, God on our side in, a, in working towards this. 
let's look at um, Ephesians chapter 4. These are going to be some passages that just kind of lay out and show us that this is really the bar that has been set for us. This is our goal. This is what we must be working hard towards uh, if we're going to be found faithful in the end. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 10, says, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he may fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. All right, and so twice in what I just read, we see this standard set for us, and we see what we're working towards achieving, growing up into him who is the head that is christ and so that's where we see this bar being set for us um we see this idea of growing and maturing what are we growing and maturing into becoming uh more like him into becoming uh, who he wants us to be hebrews chapter 6 is another one we're going to have a good bit of reading Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles in Christ, let us go on to perfection. So there it is. That's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Going on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. All right. Um, and so there we see this idea of going on to perfection. It's an idea uh, or it's a, it's a thought of a process of working towards a goal, right? That's what this going on to perfection, it paints a picture to me of working towards this perfection, this completeness that we're supposed to have. If you look on down and starting in verse 9, <clears throat> before this or in between what we just read in this, uh, he's talking about, uh, some who reject God and, and who fall back away. Uh, but in verse 9 it says, But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God's not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you've shown towards his name, and that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. And so, you know, if you couple this with what we looked about uh, at the beginning of this chapter about going on to perfection, here we see uh, that we are to not become sluggish, that we're supposed to have diligence in working towards this. Uh, and again, imitating, uh, here is talking about those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Um, Alright, so again, verses just to establish that this is the bar. This is what we're supposed to be working towards. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Colossians chapter 1. 
starting in verse 22. I will start in 21. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he's reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. All right, so that's what he wants us to be. That's, that's how he wants to present us. That's how uh, Christians will be presented if they are faithful. Uh, verse 23 tells us that if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I Paul became a minister alright so we see here again the goal is for us to be presented blameless unreprovable and perfect or complete in his sight uh, this is an achievable goal, I would say, based on what we're reading here. It's achievable, achievable if you continue reading, thanks to what Christ did for us. Uh, again, if you consider that we all have sinned, all will sin, um, without Christ's sacrifice, we would have no way to reconcile that sin and have forgiveness for that sin. And so that is uh, one of the ways, it's really the only way that this perfection and this blamelessness is achievable, uh, is for us to have that forgiveness through Christ's blood. And so this is a, a, a paramount thing that uh, goes along with what we're saying in striving for perfection. The qualifier here, at least to me, in what we're saying is verse 23. Again, if you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away. Uh, and so we have to continue steadfastly, keep trying as hard as we can to be who he wants us to be. Follow his plan uh, is how we work towards this perfection. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 13, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. All right, this is in the context of Paul uh, still working on straightening out some problems in Corinth. Uh, the first letter was all about that. Some of the stuff was straightened out. There were still some things they were working on in the second letter. Uh, look at 13, verse 11. What is he telling them at the end of this letter? Finally, brethren, farewell. Be complete. Be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And so we see here, he's telling the, the, the brethren at Corinth there to be complete. Be who you're supposed to be. Keep striving towards that and working towards that. Um, and again, a, a part of, of that, I think you have to consider this context. Part of what he's telling them in being complete is to work on the problems. Fix the problems that they are having. That's part of being complete. James chapter 1. Starting in verse 2. Again, these are all verses just showing us where the bar is set for us. My brethren, uh, James 1 and verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, okay, so again, there, there is the bar set for us again. Um, 
In the, the ESV version of this passage, it says, and let steadfastness have its full effect, which goes along with uh, some of the other verses we read a while ago. It says, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Uh, so, again, we see uh, that there's going to be trials. Uh, we see that those trials will actually help us in achieving this goal of completeness or perfection uh, if we let them do what they're supposed to do, if we respond to them the way God wants us to respond to them, they will help us in becoming who we want to become. And so uh, that's one of the, the ways we can achieve that. The same thing uh, about trials is, is shown to us in 1 Peter chapter 5. Starting in verse 6, it says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting your care upon, all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. <laughs> Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so again, we see this link between steadfastness and perfection, uh, and achieving that goal of perfection. And we see that it's something that God is going to help us with, uh, and thankfully so. Uh, without that help, you know, there would be no way that we would even come close to becoming who he wants us to become. And so we certainly don't need to sit there and, and number one, become discouraged because it's such a daunting task or such a high bar set for us. We don't need to let that discourage us because why? We've got the greatest creator, the creator. We've got the best help we can get. Uh, and he's on our side to help us reach this goal. We just have to let him. Uh, and that's what Peter's saying in verse 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Uh, so let him help you. Let him help us become who he wants us to become. All right. So that uh, is really the passages we have about uh, the bar that is set for us. There's some passages that also tell us, all right, if we're striving to be like Christ, why is that? Why are we, is it so important for us to, to work towards that example that he left for us? Look at Hebrews chapter 5. Uh, remember, this is Jesus, the Son of God, who, who left this perfect example that we're supposed to be working towards, starting in verse 8. Um, we read part of this a minute ago. Having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Mel Melchizedek. Part of All right, let's start in 7. I'm sorry. I meant to catch 7 also. Uh, who in the days of his flesh, when he has offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. 
And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest, according to the elder, the order of Melchizedek. All right, and so here we've got Jesus, the Son of God, uh, saying that he learned obedience through suffering. He was made perfect. He accomplished what he was supposed to accomplish, and one of the things that helped him accomplish that was the suffering that he went through, the life that he lived. Um, and, and so as we talk about striving towards this goal, we already looked at some passages that told us what suffering can do for us if we'll let it. It will help us in achieving this goal of perfection. Uh, and of completeness. Uh, if you go over a couple of chapters to chapter 7, uh, again, just looking at some different verses about Jesus uh, and the perfect example he left for us, <clears throat> starting in 7 verse 11, says, Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. For it's evident that our Lord Jesus rose from Judah, which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood, and yet is far more evident in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life, for he testifies, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. On one hand, there's an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. All right, and so this better hope that's being talked about here is the hope that we have through Jesus, the, the hope that we have of obtaining this completeness that we have to have, that uh, God wants us to have. Look at um, verse 22 in chapter 7. Again, by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Uh, verse 25. Therefore, he's also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Okay, so again, here is this picture of our perfect example, the goal that we're striving to be like, the one we're striving to imitate, uh, is Jesus. We're told that in First Peter chapter 1, that Christ was a sacrifice without blemish. We're told that in 1 John chapter 3, uh, that he is pure, in him is no sin. Uh, we're told to follow his example and purify ourselves and not to practice unrighteousness, all in 1 John 3, 1 through 10. Um, and for the sake of time, we won't read those, but I wanted to talk about, as we conclude, some things that can keep us from reaching this goal. If that's what's been set for us, the standard of perfection, uh, and it's because that was the example left for us, uh, that's the system that God put in place to save us, what are some things that can keep us from reaching this goal? Uh, 
you know, and we could probably all come up with a long list, but uh, the few that I had, uh, one of the main things, and this is kind of a almost an all-encompassing problem that we can have sometimes, is love of the world. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, we're told by Jesus, verse 24 of the Sermon on the Mount, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Uh, you cannot serve God and money. We're also told in other places that covetousness is something that Christians can't have, and that that translates into more than just wanting your neighbor's stuff. That translates into wanting the things of the world, uh, having a love for the world that distracts us from our love for God and our devotion to God and our striving towards uh, this goal of completeness or perfection. Hebrews 13:5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Uh, so, so, you know, covetousness is something that, that really is a love of the world. It's loving worldly things, wanting worldly things. It's, and it, it's something that can distract us from our love from God and from striving to be uh, the Christians he wants us to be. First John chapter 2 uh, and verse 15 also tells us this same thing about our love for the world. First John 2 and verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that the that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And so, you know, these passages show us that the love of the world is something that can keep us from reaching this goal, from, a, from meeting the bar that has been set for us, for obtaining perfection or obtaining completeness. Uh, another thing I had is pride. You look at James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Man. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come for your de from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? All right, so... There's part of loving the world again right there uh, and the problems that come with it. Verse 2, You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. 
Alright, so here, you know, we started off those first verses fit in with what we were saying about the love of the world and the distraction and problem that that can be uh, for us. The last part we read here in James is, is talking about pride and not letting uh, pride blind us. You know, we're supposed to humble ourselves uh, to the will of the Lord. Uh, don't let pride blind us from seeing what it is that we have to work towards and from letting Him tell us how we should be uh, and, and help us to get to that point. When we think we can do it all on our own, you know, that, that is uh, pride. That's not allowing God uh, to uh, work in us and work through us and through His Word. Uh, and that's something that can keep us from reaching this goal. All right. Um, Hebrews chapter 12. So we talked about the love of the world. We talked about pride as a, something that can keep us from reaching our goal. Hebrews chapter 12, the third thing that I had that can keep us from reaching this goal is a lack of faith or uh, that can sometimes actually translate into fear uh, in a sense and fear to, to do the things God wants us to do. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation to which he speaks as you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. <clears throat> All right, so you can see in the, in the first couple of verses there, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the people in chapter 11 that he just got through uh, reminding us of, the people who, who showed their great faith in God, their trust in God uh, through their actions, who s continually strived uh, to be who God wanted them to be. Uh, and, and the perfect example that the writer here talks about is Jesus uh, and the things he endured uh, and the things that he suffered and that that makes him the author of our eternal salvation because he was able to do those things perfectly and completely. First John chapter 4 uh, is the last passage I've got. First John chapter 4. We're talking about um, the this idea of our lack of faith or of fear being one of the things that can keep us from reaching this goal. 1 John 4, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. 
If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he does not, who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. All right, and so talking about uh, faith and fear and, and the lack of faith uh, causing fear and causing us uh, to not be perfected, that's what uh, John is kind of laying out here. Um, verse 17, Love has been perfected among us in this, uh, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So, you know, we see this idea of our, our faith in God, our love for God, I believe is what John is saying here. If we have this proper love for God, which translates, if you put together all the other verses that, that and the things John is saying here in 1 John, you know, this love for God is shown through us being who he wants us to be, being obedient to him, following his plan of salvation. Uh, and when we do that, there is no fear. You know, we're doing that because he loved us first when we were undeserving. We realized we were undeserving. We realized the great sacrifice that was made for us. Uh, we love our creator. We love our savior. And we want to be pleasing to him and achieve uh, the purposes he has set out for us. And, and when we can get our mind wrapped around that and live in that way, then we're getting close to that goal that, of who he wants us to be. And we're, and we're getting closer to becoming more Christ-like. Uh, and, and we don't have this fear uh, that John is talking about. Uh, because we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, and we realize that He's for us and, and helping us and, and that He wants us to be saved. And that's really, uh, I guess, the take-home message from what I wanted to say is, yes, we have this lofty bar set for us, this, this high goal set of becoming like Christ, of being perfected and of being complete. But we also have His help. We have a creator and a savior who loves us, who is willing to give his son on the cross for us. And we have, again, a savior who is willing to be obedient in that, to suffer for us, all because <clears throat> of the love that, that they both have for us. Uh, and, and if we think about that and realize how hard that was for them, what a great sacrifice that was, Hopefully that'll help to motivate us to strive and work hard towards the goals and purposes he's set for us. That's all, all that I had to say. Uh, we always offer the Lord's invitation at the end of times like these to anyone who's not a Christian uh, and understands what it takes to become a child of God and wishes to do that. And also for anyone who is a Christian uh, but who may not have been striving towards this goal as they should or or may just be struggling with things and need the support of their brethren the prayers of their brethren and the help of their brethren uh, we invite you to let that be known as we stand and sing